Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 175 today. We're going to be doing our Super Volcanoes Part 2 episode. Um, part 1 was a while ago. I think we did it, I don't know, four or five months ago. We got kind of sidetracked with guests and other stuff, but I did want to come back to it because there was a lot more information and there's a lot. Uh, we didn't get to any really Super Volcanoes other than uh, the Yellowstone caldera and i think lake toba is what we focused on the first time so i thought we would kind of come back around and uh go through some of it so before we do that head on over to our patreon at patreon.com slash mind escape podcast for just two dollars a month you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments uh there's some newer ones that i put up there recently and uh, we have some guests coming up that i'm going to try and get some more up there we have matthew johnson uh, on tomorrow, he's a psychedelic researcher at John Hopkins University. Um, so that'll be tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. So check us out live. And uh, yeah, so we're going to do some more of these Patreon episodes. Also, we're gonna wor- we're working on doing another secret episode here coming up in the next couple days. And um, yeah, lots of good stuff with that. So also check out our Discord if you haven't already. And if you're wondering... Um, if you're wondering, you know, when we're going to do episodes or when our guests are on, you can now go to our Discord. So as soon as I know something, I post it up there. So check that out. And uh, while you're at it, why don't you head on over to indrasweb.org? It is live. Um, we have a decent amount of people on there. Uh, I'm going to start probably promoting it more coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So there'll probably be a lot more people on there coming up. So. Get on there now if you want to be like an admin or create a group or something. Just send me an email. We'll get you set up. Uh, so, yeah, head on over to indrasweb.org. This is a social media uh, platform that we cre- created to connect open minds, all the topics we discuss. Also, uh, we're working on getting that on the in the app store as well. So go check that out. Um, what's going on, Maurice? Not much. What's going on, bro? We got a... I'll give us a nice congratulations for hitting that 3K sub mark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you little to all by our... little. Yeah, thanks to all our listeners out there um, and viewers. Um, also, you know, we're looking uh, to get some of our uh, numbers up on the Apple podcast. So if you listen to us on Apple podcast, please leave us a, a nice review if you enjoy the show. Uh, we really, really appreciate that. Um, and also, this episode is going to be very image heavy so if you're not subscribed to our youtube channel please check out our youtube channel you can just go to mindescapepodcast.com and all the links are up there um so yeah and um pretty much that's it but we appreciate everybody listening and yeah it's it's been a few years but it seems to be growing pretty steadily now we appreciate everybody absolutely um so do you even remember the first part of the uh, super volcano Episode. Yeah, because I think we were talking about it because there was a bunch of news coming out about Yellowstone and the 
the super volcano under there and then oh yeah that was at the beginning of this whole uh shutdown thing they were there's a lot of uh volcanic activity um and there you know i i think um yellowstone we talked about it on the first part uh, of this series it has a lot of seismic activity normally uh, but i think that it didn't stop for like a bunch of days in a row and of course people are gonna go to twitter and social media and freak out over it so right but well we were saying it yeah the, we, now we are in the window of it erupting but that window is no it's not we're not we're like five thousand years no or something. it's like five hundred thousand years it's a long time we're, we're gonna get into that i actually have that i'm gonna what, what i want to do is we're gonna go through the first part a little bit like i'll go through some of those slides just to kind of uh rehash things and then we'll work our way towards the new stuff so let's get into it my man <clears throat> All right. All right, here's just some terminology. A supervolcano is a big volcano that has had an eruption with a volcanic explosivity index of uh, eight or higher, meaning that the volume of the deposits is 1,000 cubic kilometers or higher. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff. Um, the volcanic explosivity index is a relative measure uh, of the explosiveness of a volcanic eruption. Um, magma, I think most people know what magma is, is the molten natural material that forms igneous rocks. Um, the layers of the earth, people know that usually, but it's good to go over sometimes. <laughs> you never know. There's the, <laughs> there's the inner core and then the outer core and then the lower mantle and the upper mantle, and then you have the crust. So... I'll be pulling up some diagrams too, just to go over. Um, then you have uh, the subduction zone. So this is a process that occurs when one tectonic plate moves over another plate and the gravity forces it to sink. Uh, this process takes place at the convergent boundary of the tectonic plate. Uh, the rate of subduction is measured in centimeters per year. Uh, the average rate of convergence is roughly, I think it's like two to eight centimeters per year. Um, along most of the boundary plates. So, and then, uh, yeah, seismic waves, uh, they're waves of energy that travel through the layers of the earth, causing earthquakes, volcanoes, magma movement, and landslides, uh, the Richter scale. Um, I think a lot of people have heard of the Richter scale. Uh, it's, it was created in 1935 by Charles Richter and it measures the strength of an earthquake and assigns numerical value based on the magnitude. I think there's a different way that they calculate that now too. I think, I think it's more accurate. I forget the name of it, but, um, pyroclastic flows. This is a fast moving current of volcanic matter and hot gas, uh, known as tephra. These flows can range in speed, usually from, 100 uh, kilometers to 700 kilometers an hour. Uh, the gas temperatures can reach roughly, I think, 1800 degrees uh, Fahrenheit or like 1000 degrees Celsius. Uh, they're a common and devastating result of explosive eruptions. Once the flow touches the ground, it hurtles downhill toward, you know, it spreads like that. Like you, most people have seen like volcano movies and stuff. You see the ash kind of shoot down and, and it's pretty aggressive. Uh, and this happens laterally under the gravity, uh, or under gravity. Um, the caldera is a volcanic depression that is formed by the collapse of the ground above the magma chamber, which empties during large volcanic eruptions. 
So what do you think about all that terminology? I feel good about it. I, it take me back to the old, uh, the old high school days. <laughs> it's good to get some of these, you know, refresher and once in a while, you know, you can't always, everything can't always be, you know, metaphysics and aliens and psychedelics. You got to mix it up here once in a while. Um, so here you see, this is kind of where like a, a lot of the hot spots are like, uh, more, I guess, where you see a lot more activity. That's called the Ring of Fire, even though that's not a full ring. You see it all the way the from South America all the way up to Alaska, across to uh, Asia, and then down to Australia. So that's known as the Ring of Fire. And uh, keep going here. Again, some of these are repeats if you watch part one. Some of this is a little bit of a repeat, but we're going to get to some new stuff here halfway through. Um, here's the different layers, as I mentioned, the inner core, the outer core, the mantle, the crust. Um, this is also showing you roughly how much, uh, you know, how much is in there or the extent or the size of these layers. Uh, you've got the, the inner core is 5,100 kilometers, outer core 2,900 kilometers. Um, the crust is obviously the thinnest and then you get up there towards the top, so... Um, yeah. So this is a histogram of the Earth's crust. At the very top right there, you can see that's a, a little red Eiffel Tower just for scale. Um, and then you got the highest point there on the left, which would be Mount Everest, the highest uh, point on Earth. Um, and then you go all the way down and you go to the greatest depths, and that's the Mariana Trench. Um, so you can see roughly scale-wise... Uh, how the you know the highest peak to the lowest depths of the crust. Okay, so this is a picture of the core and how the ma the Earth's magne magnetic fields interact with the core. So um, part of the reason we know kind of what's going on is obviously the material um, and however like it re relates to magnetism. So if you see um, there's diagrams of like the earth and like the magnetic field around the earth that all has an effect on our core. And I would, I would look at our earth kind of as like a giant gyroscope. There's a bunch of like moving parts and different layers and stuff like that. So it's not just, um, obviously a solid ball. There's a bunch of different stuff going on in the interior. Absolutely. <clears throat> Maurice really getting it in tonight. Um, <laughs> he's always got to say something folks. <laughs> well look we were going to do this last night and then uh, the software that I used they had some update and I after I updated it it wasn't working like it normally should so uh, I got with them they were pretty quick about it they were able to do an up, another update today so here we are so these are all the geo different geological uh, provinces you have uh there's the little key on the left. I'm not going to, sp again, spend too much time on this because we did go over it. Um, okay, so this is important, though. <laughs> again, so this is how they determined a supervolcano from just a regular volcano um, or it's like a stratovolcano. Uh, the VEI has to be eight or higher. Uh, the VEI is a relative measure of explosiveness of volcanic eruptions. 
It was created in 1982 by Charles Newhall of the, or yeah, Charles Newhall of the uh, United States Geological Services and Stephen Self from the University of Hawaii. Uh, the VEI includes things like uh, eruption and cloud height, volume of product, uh, qualitative observations. The scale ranges usually from zero, which is like gentle, to eight, which would be mega colossal. Uh, and some of the examples of megacolossal eruptions are the Huckleberry Ridge Tuff. I got a map of that I'll pull up here in a little bit. Uh, the Yellowstone, uh, Lake Toba, and Taupo. Um, Taupo's in New Zealand. Um, and uh, Lake Toba's in uh, Sumatra. A list of famous volcanoes and their VEI numbers are Kilauea, um, since it's had a bunch of eruptions. Uh, it ranges from like zero to four usually. Uh, Vesuvius, five. Mount Fuji, five. Uh, St. Helens, five. So if you think the St. Helens is five, a supervolcano is like probably 40% bigger than that uh, or Crazy. more explosive. Uh, Krakatoa, which is a six, and Krakatoa was uh, a big deal as well. Um, the Valais Caldera, that's a seven. Thera, which is a seven. Some people even think Thera might have been Atlantis. I know National Geographic did a special on it. The timelines don't necessarily match up. I think uh, Thera uh, blew up, I want to say 1600 BC, somewhere about there. Um, but yeah, there's some people think that that could be it. Uh, and then you've got Taupo, again, seven, Huckleberry Ridge Tough, eight, Yellowstone, eight, Lake Toba, eight, Taupo, eight. Um, some critics of the VEI point to the fact that the ash, the lava, the lava bombs, and the uh, enigmabrite uh, are lumped in together, and the density is not figured into that. So um, it also doesn't take into account the power of the output, which would make it tough to determine the accurate VEI for the prehistoric and uh, unobserved eruptions. So, here's a little uh, trivia for you: What's the biggest eruption that we've had in the past ten thousand years? What's the what? The largest volcano volcanic eruption in the last ten thousand years. Um, is it the? Uh... The one in Alaska in like 1917. It's Tambora. Oh, is yeah, yeah. We're gonna get to that. That's in there as well. Beautiful. All right, moving on. Okay, so there's a couple things going on in this picture. This is the Yellowstone National Park. Um, this is the Yellowstone Caldera. Um, you see. So there's one that happened, the first one that happened uh, would, would be the first caldera 2.1 million years ago. Uh, that's, I think, the light, um, I don't even know what color that is, like lavender. Yeah. Um, and then the second one, 1.3 million years old, I think that's, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but uh, that one was... 1.3 million years ago, so that's the second one. And then you've got the third one, which happened roughly 640,000 years ago. Um, and again, not all of the the Yellowstone super eruptions uh, have been 
these explosive eruptions either. They've had like uh, lava flows and stuff like that too. So um, there's one that even erupted 174,000 years ago that West Thumb Caldera erupted. So um, yeah, there's some different stuff going on. And uh, if people are wondering those names, you can go back to our other episode. We go into more in depth about the Yellowstone eruptions. Yeah. And that uh, Henry's Fork Caldera, that's the one that was on the left that I was, that's the, here, let me go back. That was the one that was the second Caldera 1.3 million years ago. Um, and then you've got the bigger Island Park Caldera there in the middle. Okay. So here's just a general um, diagram of, you know, what they, they're pretty sure is going on below the surface uh, at the Yellowstone Caldera. Uh, at the top, you see the, the rim boundary faults, and then you see, like, the geysers up top, and then below the geysers, you get that heat coming off of that uh, that magma or that partial melt. Um, and then on each side, the crust is stretching, um, and you've got earthquakes that happen. So all this these kind of things just kind of come together. Um, and no, we're, there's no imminent... Uh, super eruption coming like everybody says i see all these like reaction videos on youtube and then like people talking about it nobody it takes like 10 15 minutes to like look this stuff up well the bottom line is it is coming but not soon yeah it's of course these are all gonna happen at some point you're right but it's not for like hundreds of thousands of years number one or at least these don't they don't work like that like some people would like take the dates of these and then average them out and see you know when's the next one due to occur, but it doesn't work like that. You know, anything could happen. You know, if a comet or an asteroid hit, I think that that would have obviously a huge impact that might've set stuff off in the past as well, you know? So, um, I think it really just matters. Um, what, when you, when they pay attention, that's why you have all these like seismic graphs and, uh, these scientists monitoring these things. There's a whole reason why that's going on. Right. And we're also in the works of figuring out a way to go in there and, depressurize it well we talked about that last time that there's they're not going to be able to do that i think jpl um said that they would their best theory would be to maybe shoot hot water into the side of it or like inject water into it but even that 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 could have some sort of a consequence as well so um look when the when one of these things happen there's there's really no recourse. It's just gonna happen. So moving on here. Okay, so the Yellowstone Caldera. The Yellowstone Caldera is a supervolcano and a volcanic caldera located within Yellowstone National Park. The caldera and a large portion of Yellowstone Park are lo- located in the northwest corner of my of Wyoming. Uh, the main part of the caldera is roughly 35 by 45 miles. Uh, Yellowstone sits on four overlapping calderas. Uh, the first caldera is two point, again, 2.1 million years old and had the ejecta volume of 600 cubic miles. Second caldera, 1.3 million years old and had an ejecta volume of 76 cubic, mi- cubic miles. Um, third caldera, 640,000 years old had the ejecta volume of 240 cubic miles. And then the fourth caldera erupted again, 174,000 years ago. And, um, that, that wasn't a large, I think it was just lava flows. So, uh, these calderas are, and that's the other thing. I mean, Yellowstone could go off again, but 
it might just be a lava flow. It, it's not necessarily guaranteed to be a super eruption. So, uh, these calderas are located on the hot spot underneath the Yellowstone Plateau, where uh, light and magma, um, or light and uh, I don't even know what I put there, but magma rise from the mantle. Okay, moving on. Um, any questions so far, Maurice? No, sir. That's right. Better not have any questions. (laughs) Um, all right. So this area has been active for over the last 18 million years, creating violent eruptions and less violent uh, basaltic flows. So again, they could just be basaltic lava flows and floods. Uh, Roughly 12 eruptions in this area helped shape the eastern part of the Snake River Plain, uh, which was once a mountainous region. Uh, Yellowstone has had non-explosive lava eruptions and less explosive eruptions since the last super eruption. Um, Let's see here. The tectonic and volcanic activity in the area or the region causes between one to 2,000 measurable earthquakes a year. So that's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of activity there. Um, I mean, a lot of them are probably so minute, they're probably don't even really register to most people. But uh, I know there was one at the beginning of last year that had people freaking out. It was like in Utah or something or Idaho maybe. I forget. It was like a six or a seven maybe. I'd have to go back and look. But in uh, December of 2008, over uh, a couple months, there was over 500 earthquakes um, with the largest recording of a 3.9 on the Richter scale. Uh, There was also volcanic swarms in 2010, 2014, and 2018. Uh, Some studies and analysis show that the hydrothermal explosions can occur independently from volcanic eruptions and may may be even more imminent uh, of an imminent hazard. Uh, In the last 14,000 years, 20 lake craters have been formed, creating lakes, bays, and ponds. Uh, In 2016, the USGS announced that they were going to map these subterranean hydrothermal systems. Again, the USGS is just the uh, United States Geological Survey. Or services. I Mm. forget. Look that up. Is it services or survey? Yeah, I don't know what you're looking at right now, but you better be looking at that. Um, just type in usgs.gov. Uh, recent supervolcano hypothesis and news. So this was somewhat recent last year when we went over this uh, the first time. Uh, the hot spot under Yellowstone has migrated over time from southeast Oregon. Uh, Oregon through Idaho to the northwest corner of Wyoming but it's not necessarily migrating in the sense like the crust is moving and everything's kind of shifting I think when we had Chris uh, Cottrell on he was talking about that so uh, it's not necessarily that these hot spots are moving it's that the crust is moving over it Um, Thomas R. Knott is a geochemist at the University of Leicester and his team used paleomagnetic analysis Uh, Because the iron that was ejected would have been uh, liquid and would have uh, settled and cooled towards the magnetic north. 
Uh, not said since each Yellowstone super eruption would have been slightly different in chemical profiles because different sections of the continent are, are being melted. Uh, I mean, that makes sense. You think that whatever is in the earth being melted, there's obviously going to be different compositions. It is um, U.S. Geological Survey. Yeah, survey. That's right. Good one. Thank you, young Jamester. Yeah, I, mean, I had to really search on this website. It didn't just <laughs> pop it up. It doesn't say anything. It just says USGS. I had to go into the about and like email yeah. them to find the name for it. Uh, it, it was, and they have a lot of look. They've got a lot of good information on there too. So if you're interested, um, obviously their their website, wiki. All, all, you know, there's good stuff on all of it. Um, let's see here. Where was I? Okay, it was originally thought that there were a bunch of smaller eruptions in southern Idaho. However, not says evidence suggests that the last two super eruptions, including the top five eruptions of all time, at Gray's Landing, uh, McMullen Creek. McMullen Creek was a super eruption. Was dated to 8.99 million years ago. And it covered over, I think, 4,600 square miles stretch um, of where now southern Idaho would be. And it registered an 8.6 on the VEI index. Um, and then the Gray's Landing one, which might have been the largest of all time, uh, it was a super eruption which was dated to 8.72 million years ago. And it covered 8,900 square miles in southern Idaho and northern Nevada. And it would have registered an 8.8 on the VEI and is rated as a top five eruption of all time. The VEI only goes up to 8.9. Damn. So, yeah. I mean, look, if you look at um, North America, a lot of North America was probably shaped by these some of these early supervolcanoes. So there was probably a lot more mountains before that. And then you have these supervolcanoes coming in. And like they mentioned, the East Snake River Plain was formed from these super eruptions. Yeah, that's uh I think we're going to be hiking out there soon, either Yellowstone or the Tetons. Yeah. And that Snake River, that picture from uh Ansel Adams is like one of the most iconic. Yeah. You know, picture I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. I love that area, but you can tell that there those crags were created not slowly cuz they're very jagged and it's intense. Yeah. And actually too um if you're interested, check out Maurice's adventures because he goes to, you know, you're in Washington, you're in uh, the Rockies, you're all over the place. So, Yeah, I, uh, it'd be really cool to go out there, like, to Yellowstone and then, you know, have you some of this knowledge. You guys should go to the Gorge and go hiking around there. That's in Washington, right? Yeah. Yeah, that'd oh, be you cool. Went to or you went to Oregon, that's Right, right. Well, the problem is the guy I go with has been to, Wa I try and do stuff that he hasn't been to yet, so. Yeah. Colorado, we've been to Colorado the last two years. You could hike in Colorado the rest of your life and still not see everything. I love Colorado for backpacking. I still highly think recommend it. I still think you should go back to uh, um, what you call it. You should go back to uh, uh, I don't even forget. Oh, Glacier National Park. I know. We that, he, I might. Have, that's his favorite place. My cousin. He said it's the best park he's ever been to. So. I'm sure I'd be able to get him to go back Yeah. Uh, at some point in his life. He keeps claiming that this is the last trip, this is the last trip, but right. he's going to get a band. I'm going to wrap up his knee, and we're going to hit the trail again. His knees are just getting real old, <laughs> as he is. 
All right. Um, some geologists agree with the findings and suggest that uh, we still don't know uh, the cause of the magnetic flare-ups, especially over hot spots. Uh, the USGS geologist Michael Pollan says uh, it would make sense that Yellowstone hotspot would weaken as it migrates inward uh, towards the thicker part of you know the the crust or the continent. Um, still, other scientists suggest that. Uh, this only makes sense if you only look at the largest eruptions throughout the super colossal eruption history uh, that are very, you know, there's other ones that are very dangerous as well. So, so this is what I was kind of talking about migrating the, at the 16.1, you get it migrates from the corner of Oregon all the way up uh, through Idaho. And then you get to the top uh, left corner of Wyoming. But again, it's the crust uh, moving over, uh, and then the magma comes out, and super eruptions probably occur when there's uh, thinner spots on the crust too. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's a it's a good way you can see how that kind of evolves over time, and it does look like that bottom there in Idaho. These other ones, um, ten seven, ten seven, those were some big ones, and that's the Snake River. Uh, no, I think Snake River, um, six point four. Oh, actually, that might. No, have I'm been saying six. that river that's flowing through there. That's the Snake River. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Which, look it up. Look up what well, what river runs through Southern Idaho. Um, you're probably right. I never even thought. I, I just watched a documentary about Idaho. I never thought it was even cool, and then I started watching this thing. People. Oh, it's sick out there. It's unbelievable. Man. Yeah. It's like a state you never even think about. Everybody thinks, well, you know, Wyoming and obviously Montana and Colorado, Utah, but no one ever thinks of good old Idaho. You just think Idaho potatoes. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I mean, beautiful. If you want to see some beautiful landscapes, Idaho, Utah, you know. Well, Utah is more so southern. I mean, it depends on what you're looking at, but in terms of uh, like the same, those kinds of similar landscapes where it's like dry, arid with a lot of uh, rock formations, those are I think I, Yeah, but I think Idaho has all kinds of different stuff. Well, you can see right there, look at all that, the topography on the other, yeah. on the top part of the, the river there. I mean, those are, that's all high elevation. I can't, this is really turning into a pain. <laughs> um, there she blows. Yes, the Snake River. That thing's gigantic. Yeah, I wanted, where did I go? I've been to, uh, yeah, I don't know. I need to get out west more. I've only been to Vegas twice. That's as, And I was supposed to go to California for a work trip, and I ended up getting sick a while back so yeah, yeah i've never been to cal i've never been to california been to oregon the, the oregon beaches i heard are similar to the northern california didn't, didn't you go to the oregon beaches when you guys were done with your one hike absolutely and cannon beach is one of my top five cities they visit so we maybe we'll do a little podcast on uh our top five cities in america because there's some cool stuff out there yeah. i haven't really ventured too far out of the the united states i've been to canada yeah but I haven't really been to any other country, but I have traveled a lot within the United States. And uh, 
it's it's pretty and there's a lot of stuff to see so yeah i mean most of my traveling is all midwest and then east coast and southern you know florida and georgia all down there so okay let's see here okay so this is what most people want to know this is you know this is the meat and potatoes yeah is yellowstone due for an eruption and i would say based on everything i looked at no but again this isn't something that you can just you know you'll they they would see a buildup and a lot of you know changes in seismic activity and the caldera is shifting and then the landscape shifting I don't think that unless they see that nothing's imminent, obviously. So, but according to the USGS, it is not due uh, for super eruption, nor is one imminent. Again, they can they kind of have that same take on it. Uh, volcanoes are unpredictable, and the most volcanic systems um, the, that have had super eruptions do not have them again. So, once one's already had uh, an eruption, it's most likely not going to have another one. Uh, Yellowstone is unique in that it's had three. Um, and then again, that fourth one was kind of just that basaltic lava flow. Uh, the first was roughly 2.08 million years ago. Again, this is just a repeat of what we were talking about earlier. Second one, I think that's the one that was at, uh, um, that, uh, Henry's fork caldera. That was 1.3 million years ago. And then you have the one at, uh, 631,000 years ago. Uh, the average time between super eruptions. Okay, so this is um, this is where we're at. So if you were to take the super eruptions and kind of look at the the distance of time between each of them, uh, there's you know on average I think it's 725 years. Um, so based on that trajectory, we're about a hundred thousand years away from if that were to happen like that, which the scientists don't believe that that's the case. But if it were, we're a hundred thousand uh, years away. Well, again, not to play devil's advocate, but all they can do is just estimate these things. Like right. They don't really know for sure. And again, sure, I so. mean, you know, different things could happen, geological events, and then you also have potential for, you know, comets and asteroids and that kind of a thing too. So there's no real, you know, nothing's set in stone. Well, they've been calling for a massive earthquake to come and destroy California for a long time now. Well, that was always been a myth, right, since we were in school. The big one. Um, so, okay. So the rhyolite, uh, magma chamber under Yellowstone is only five to 15% molten. Uh, it would need to be 50% melt, uh, for an eruption on an, uh, you know, so like the melt is like what in there is actually not solid. And for that to occur, um, it would need to be at least 50% and the average is 10%. So on average, most of these places are at 10%. Yellowstone has had uh, has erupted both basalt and rhyolite in the past. Uh, rhyolite is an extrusive igneous rock that has a high silica content, and basalt is an extrusive igneous rock rich in magnesium and iron and is formed from rapid cooling. Uh, the rhyolite partial melt is located in the upper crust, uh, and it's under the Yellowstone caldera, and it produces the hydrothermal fluids. Uh, below that is the basaltic partial melt, uh, and that's in the lower crust that is four to five times larger than the rhyolite melt chamber. Uh, it also provides heat for the shallower rhyolite melt. Uh, it also stretches from under the part of Yellowstone caldera to the edge of the east uh, Snake River plain. 
So again, these super volcanoes uh, is what helped create the East Snake River Plain. Okay, why are there so many earthquakes at Yellowstone? Uh, most of the earthquakes at Yellowstone are a result of breaking and, and uh, are you know rocks breaking caused by crustal stresses called brittle failure events. Uh, no one has ever observed or identified a long period event, which is also what's connected to the movement of magma. Um, even if there was a long period event, that does not necessarily mean there will be an eruption. Uh, the ground shaking or tremors are observed near the geothermal areas when the water boils in a geyser. Okay, so we're getting towards the end of Yellowstone here. We're going to start getting towards some other stuff. Let's just uh, wrap up Yellowstone. So uh, Yellowstone is roughly 3,400 square miles of wilderness. It contains hot springs and geysers. Uh, geologist Bob Christensen has done a lot of research on the topic of supervolcanoes and geology. Uh, there is tons of heat below Yellowstone, 30 times more than anywhere in the Rockies. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, on August 17th, 1959, a massive landslide at uh, Hebgen Lake uh, killed 28 campers and 19 were never found. Uh, the deadliest earthquake since 1933. So it killed 20 or it killed It killed 20 28. It killed 28, but they couldn't find 19 of the people, um, which usually... Well, that's they're presumably that, dead. Yeah, yes. Yellowstone has an average of 25 earthquakes a week, um, second to only California. Yellowstone super eruption could, could produce 250 cubic miles of ash. Uh, that would be enough to bury uh, Texas under five feet of ash. That's kind of crazy. Um, let's see here. The Yellowstone caldera is so large, the whole thing can't even be seen from the air. I mean, think about that. So, um, in the 1970s, geologist Bob Smith surveyed the Yellowstone landscape. He noticed a change at the south end of the caldera. It was 18 inches off the survey from 1923. So the caldera had risen over two feet in 1995 and 2000, it went back down. So that's uh, probably why people were getting intense about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean that that's but that's that guy was actually observing a change in the landscape. That's a little bit different than what's, you know, people just every time there's an earthquake cuz an earthquake doesn't isn't necessarily going to induce that. So Right. Plus half those 25 or most of those 25 are so small they don't even you can't even notice them. Right. Um there's evidence that Yellowstone Lake was inhabited seasonally by Native Americans, the Clovis people starting around 11,000 years ago. Uh, the rising and receding shore, uh, lakeshore revealed arrowheads and archaeological sites. Kind of just an interesting little fact there. That's awesome. I'd like to go there and maybe try and find one of those bad boys. Yeah. Okay, so here you have the East Snake River Plain. You can kind of see how it's been blown out there in the middle. Um, keep this moving. Okay, so this is this is a good example of like what you know what if Yellowstone did erupt. So uh the type of explosive magma that is under Yellowstone caldera is comprised of silica gas, uh which makes it a super volcano. The chamber must contain at least fifty percent malt for an eruption to uh, melt for an eruption to uh occur. Uh the average stable level of melt is ten percent. If it were to erupt, okay, so this is what's gonna happen. Swarms of earthquake would plague the area. A long, continuous vibration, harmonic tremor, 
and it is the last warning. So you're going to hear probably some like loud, weird noises. Okay. Um, the eruption would be 50 times the largest uh, atom bomb. Man, that's very oh large. My God. Yeah. Uh, a 60 mile radius would be very hazardous. There would be a possible destruction up to 200 miles away. Pyroclastic flows reaching 1500 degrees would flatten and scorch the surrounding area. At night, pyroclastic flows would be incandescent. So if you could actually be alive to see that, that might be beautiful. But Oh, yeah. The photos would be unbelievable. Uh, it could engulf Jackson Hole. Uh, most people and animals would suffocate in the flows. Uh, the mother of all ash clouds and the deadliest debris would shoot 15 miles into the atmosphere. The skies would turn deadly and dark. Uh, wet ash would clog filters and collapse roofs. Swirling ash might induce intense lightning. Um, Salt Lake City and Denver would get up to three feet of ash and will call, uh, it would cause mud flows and damage. People will panic. The lawlessness would ensue. Half a million people could die. Uh, inhaling volcanic ash is basically glass and shards, and anyone uh, who, does not sur- or who does survive could potentially get a severe lung or have severe lung issues. Uh, nobody within a thousand miles would be safe and could develop uh, Marie's disease. Gases might stay in the air, affecting air quality and the atmosphere. So Marie's disease, um, I think they found it in some animals near eruptions. It's like when your bones get like denser, or thicker, and then like overtakes your body or some, something yeah. along those lines. Um, in 1816 and 1817, there was a famine from cold weather caused by a volcano eruption. In 1815, this is the one you were talking about, in Tambora near Java, um, so 10,000 10, miles away, people were affected. Sulfur okay. dioxide, sulfuric acid aerosol spread by the stratospheric winds. Um, Tambora uh, killed roughly 71,000 people. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, for back then. It was 1800s. It's not that far back. No, know. I'm saying, well, the, the, the amount of people that are around now. Yeah. Like if Yellowstone erupted, I was just going to say, yeah. we're, we're almost exactly I mean, but Java's more than a thousand there's probably, miles away. You're right. There's probably obviously a lot more people there, but I mean, you know, you're in uh, Indonesia, so, you know, it's a lot, there's a lot of islands too, so it would just depend, I think. But Yellowstone eruption would uh, cause a drop in temperature roughly 10 degrees Celsius. So, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah, the whole sun would be blocked out. Okay, so this is the volcanic ash fall from Yellowstone. So there you can see what's highlighted. Um, at the top left, you see that's the ash from Mount St. Helens, just that like yellow uh, little colored in area. Uh, bottom left, you have Long Valley Caldera in California, and you can see that one's got a decent size, that, that dotted line on the interior. Um, and then you've got the Bishop ash bed. Um, and then the big one, obviously, is the triangular looking one the yellowstone plateau i mean that's pretty sizable oh yeah even the huckleberry ridge one looks pretty devastating it's just to the edge of illinois yeah that's crazy so you'd be unless the winds were blowing yeah again there's marie's disease and lung issues i mean you know um all right so we'll talk a little bit about lake toba here uh there you see it on the left There's a better picture where you can see it, the lake, and then the little island thing in the middle. I think it's called Samosir. 
um, it's the resurgent dome. So that's when that grows. That's what that's what uh, erupts is that little island. Okay. Lake Toba is a natural lake that formed uh, in the caldera of a supervolcano. The surface elevation is just under 3,000 feet. It is 62 miles long and 19 miles wide. It is the largest lake in Indonesia and the largest volcanic lake in the world. Lake Toba registered uh, an 8 on the VEI index. Um, it is also the largest explosive eruption in the last 25 million years. It erupted in 74, erupted 74,000 years ago killing uh most humans at the time and that's not an exaggeration the theory goes is that there's genetic evidence of that the human uh, uh human evolution went through a bottleneck and a few to ten thousand breeding humans survived based on the migration evidence so just think uh-huh. about that seventy four thousand million or seventy four thousand years ago um there was only probably five to ten thousand people left on earth after this this eruption I mean, that's just crazy. And we know um, Homo sapiens sapiens have been, we've been us for about 200,000 years. So we were us, you know, for at least 125,000 years at the time. Uh Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's just crazy to think about. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Okay, so Lake Toba led to a volcanic winter worldwide, causing a drop in temperature between 5 and 10 degrees Fahrenheit and 27 degrees Fahrenheit in the higher altitudes. That's pretty crazy. Um, So 5 to 10 is a big difference from what we were just talking about. Um, Yeah, that's Fahrenheit. You were saying 10 Celsius. Well, it's the same. I mean, even, you know, it's relative depending on, obviously there's the difference in the the system. But additional evidence at Lake uh, Malawi in East Africa show large ash deposits. Um, and Lake Toba was the last in four caldera-forming eruptions. Uh, some parts of the caldera show magma chamber refilling, which raised Samosir uh, Island and the Uluan uh, Peninsula above the surface of the lake. Uh, lake Toba is near the Great Sumatran Fault and the Sumatran Fracture Zone. Uh, you know, large earthquakes have happened near there. I think uh, 1892, 1916, 1920, and 1987. There is a closer picture. There's Samos, uh, Sear Island in the middle of the lake. Here's a little bit of a different view. There's an aerial shot. beautiful though oh yeah all that stuff is top notch photography look at that shot that's bomb okay so here's where we're gonna get to some newer stuff now um okay so this is pre-eruption right before the eruption in 1991 the eruption of mount uh pinatubo in uh the philippines which was a stratovolcano um and this volcano cooled global temperatures from you know for about two to three years so that's actually kind of a long time and that's we're talking 1991 so um look at that this one's probably actually one of the more document uh well-documented uh 
volcanoes. So this one I think is a six on the VEI index. So it's not quite a uh, super volcano in the sense of being an eight or higher, but I mean six and then having that massive impact and being a straddle volcano definitely will do some damage. I mean, that's, yeah. Look at that. I mean, that looks like, that, that, that does look <laughs> like a scary. bomb. I mean, yeah. it is very scary. Um, Plus the houses, they look all modern, so it's like yeah, a... Yeah, look at that picture. It's almost like a horror, scary photo. And then this is, I think, a couple weeks after, after the eruption, you just see the, the layers and layers of ash up there. I wonder how far away that is from that shot. Yeah, I don't, they're obviously in a helicopter or something. Here's some. Uh, here's what happened. This was. Cause I'd be flying real quick. <laughs> this is from the pyroclastic flows. Um, and then this is the. I think this is the ash range, of the eruption. So you can see. It's kind of dispersing all over Asia there. just a nice blanket okay so here's part you know part of the issue when one of these huge eruptions occurs would be the you know a lot of stuff getting in you know a lot of stuff's aerosolized and gets in the air and then it blocks out the sun and um there you have you can see there on the radar um or the um the uh graph there let me pull up a different one here this one you can get a better um and yeah so this would that has an effect obviously when when the the light can't get through it affects everything absolutely here you see um the uh rise in sulfur dioxide you have uh um two spikes here but the obviously the largest spike is the pinatubo and uh Okay, so here's the um, atmospheric transmission. So you get the so this is how much radiation was getting through, and you see um, El Chichion. I think that's how you pronounce it. That has a massive drop, um, or Chichon, and then you've got Pinatubo that has a p pretty big drop as well. So the, when these eruptions occur, you know there's not going to be much radiation or um, light you know any of that stuff kind of getting through so this is a graph showing um how over time you know that started to change there so you see it's starting to get back to normal so after the eruption you see the spike and then it slowly starts to dissipate and goes back to normal okay so that's an aerial shot of pinatubo Sure, some people will comment what that. That El Chichon is in Mexico. Is it Chichon? Chichon. You're talking to mystery literate here. Yeah. All right. So okay. So now we're moving on. Now these are all like the hot spots, as you can see, all those little red dots. Um, you see a lot near the Ring of Fire. You've got the one. I think what is that? Thirty-two. It's Yellowstone, and then you get up towards. Alaska and then down there's a lot in the ocean um obviously a lot of the South Pacific Island areas uh down and around the rim of South America and then there's a lot in the Atlantic 
in the lower Atlantic in between Africa and South America. And then you have a lot through like the rift Valley area of Africa. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome to look at. You can blatantly see why the continent ripped apart. Right. Old Pangea. Yep. Okay. So here we get to some of the other more famous uh, eruptions of all time. So I'm going to do, I did this in chronological order from the oldest, um, most, you know, significant ones to the most recent significant ones. Um, so this is Wawa Springs. It's in Utah and it is, you know, this uh, occurred, this eruption 30 million and, or yeah, 30 million, 600 years ago. Um, and it's part of the Indian Peak uh, Caliente Caldera complex, which is what the volcanic zone is. Um, let's see here. It is the largest of the Indian Peak uh, Caldera complex eruptions. Uh, it was preserved as the Wawa Springs Tuff, and it includes pyroclastic flows more than 13,000 feet thick or 4,000 meters. That's crazy. And the ejecta volume uh, was. 5,000 to 5,900 cubic meters. So I think, what was the one that we were talking, the Yellowstone one was 600 cubic meters. How do they even measure this stuff? They just find the, the rock and... What do you mean? Like, like how do they, oh, 30 million uh, so, so, okay, years so ago? So no, you... no, the geologists, they, you know, there's geological records through like the different layers. They find layers of ash, you know, they can tell. Uh-huh how far you know if it's how much of it's preserved how thick the layers are and then how far distance and then they just kind of you know it's just building models from there right so uh lagarita caldera in colorado uh 27 million eight hundred thousand years ago and it's part of the san juan volcanic field uh or volcanic zone the fish cannon eruption was one of the largest known explosive eruptions the, with an ejecta volume of 5,000 cubic kilometers. That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, there you can see, I think that's fish cannon right, or canyon right there. That's a kind of a cool pick. That looks like a cool area. I want to go visit this. Never even heard of it. That's what I was saying. Colorado's got so much to offer. We're going to send you out in the field, start getting some soil samples. (laughs) I have heard of the San Juan (laughs) area. We were going to hike around there, but yeah, it's like, that's in Colorado. What the hell? Oh, I'm sure there's a ton of cool stuff in Colorado. No, I know. I'm just saying that doesn't look like a a normal, that looks more of like Utah-y to me, but they're all connected, so not surprised. Um... Let's see here. The Heiss Volcanic Field. Uh, it's in Idaho. It's part of the Yellowstone Hotspot Volcanic Zone. Uh, it's where you get the Blacktail Tuff. And it's six uh, million years old. I mean, that's, again, we're, we started from 30 million. Now we're at a six million. Uh, that had an ejecta volume of 1,500 cubic kilometers. Let's see here. That's nothing. Oh yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> Again, if Yellowstone, if what I was telling you was going to happen at Yellowstone, that was 600 cubic kilometers. Okay. So. Yeah, that is big then. I mean, when you think of this kind of stuff, like, 
I don't know. I, I, I think about that. Like when you look at like the U S you know, like when you look at like there's fires out West or there's tornadoes in the Midwest or there's, you know, hurricanes in the Southern, you know, do you ever think about that kind of stuff? Like where would be the best place to live if from like oh, natural, cool. uh, catastrophe type stuff? I mean, actually where we are is pretty damn safe. Yeah. But I wonder if water levels rose, if that would have obviously an impact on. Yeah, I don't the know. Great I Lake think regions. It might, it might, but I think it has more to do with the oceans. No, it. But what I'm saying is the St. Lawrence Seaway, like all that water, that's comes from you know. There's channels there. Right. So would definitely for if there was like a large influx, it would force its way over that. No, no. That's true. Questions asked. Oh, I'll ask. <laughs> I don't know. I just, like I said, I think of that stuff sometimes. It's not necessarily. Um, Probably like Kansas or something, but you're still in harm's way from the, the volcanoes. That's what I'm saying, the super volcano. I think the water is the more of the threat, though, the more realistic threat. Yeah. Yeah. In our time, at least, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just... Uh... But that's the price you pay. You go and live in California or Florida, and you you got to deal with hurricanes. And yeah, I don't it's think beautiful Florida most has... of the time, and once yeah. in a while there's hellish. Yeah, I don't think Florida gets that many earthquakes, though, does it? Um, no, they don't get earthquakes. They get uh, hurricanes. Right. Um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, but the thing about you know some of those hurricane, you know, like. Some of them are pretty brutal too, you know. I know oh, yeah. for the are most part, it's usually fine, but um, you know, it can get uh, can get out of hand. That's why, like, the homeowners insurance is astronomical down there. Yeah, I've been looking. <laughs> He's already looking to retire, folks, Mister Maurice. <laughs> I was literally looking at it. I was wondering why the houses were so cheap. It's on a golf course. It's like an older. Older folks community down in Florida. Yeah. Some nice homes though. Um let's see here. Okay. We now now we get to uh Cerro Guacha, I believe is how you pronounce it, in Sur Lopez, Bolivia. Um it's part of the Alti Plano Puna Volcanic Complex, Volcanic Zone. Um it, there's two smaller eruptions that are identified there. 50 i think it's five five million seven hundred years ago so i mean that again that's a long time uh and had the ejecta volume of 1300 cubic kilometers that's just crazy there's a satellite shot of it from over top the earth that's pretty Get myself a helicopter and just... Really there we go. There we really send you out into the field, get some stuff done. Um, <laughs> for the South America volcanic areas, obviously we showed you the graphs at the beginning with like the hot spots and uh, the ring of fire and stuff. But at the top left, you have the northern volcanic zone, which um, Ecuador um, up there. Um, and then you get down further and you start getting into like Chile and then you get down to Argentina um, so yeah, you have the central zone, volcanic zone, and then the southern volcanic zone. Uh, the Juan Fernandez Ridge there down below. Um, let's see here. 
uh, they, here's another heist or heist. I don't even know how you pronounce that. Uh, volcanic field in Idaho uh, is the Yellowstone hotspot volcanic zone. So again, Yellowstone has produced a lot of these eruptions or there's a lot of calderas in that area. Uh, this produced the Kilgore Tuff um, 40 or 4,500,000 years ago with an ejecta volume of 1,800 cubic kilometers. Uh, in Chile, you have La Pacana, um, which is in the Andes Central Volcanic Zone. It is responsible for the Antana um, ign uh, Ignimbrite. And you've got four, this was four million years ago, uh, with an ejecta volume. Wow, it's kind of a lot, though, is 2,500 cubic kilometers. So. Mm. Again, I mean, the first ones I brought up, though, were like 5,000 cubic kilometers. So, again, this would, these would be the areas. Um, so, wait, where were we? So, that one was in Chile. So, down there at the bottom. So, you're talking in between the central volcanic zone and the southern volcanic zone down there. Let's see here. Uh, here you have Cerro Galan. Galan, I think you pronounce it. Uh, Catamarca. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it, Argentina. Uh, it's part of the Andes Central Volcanic Zone. It's, it consisted of three distinct eruptions separated by 30 to 40,000 years, and it is 2,500,000 years ago uh, with an ejecta volume of 1,050 cubic meter or uh, cubic kilometers. Okay, here's again that same one. I just want to keep showing this because this is where all the activity is in South America. And here you have an overhead shot of it, um, an aerial shot. And you can kind of see there in the middle how everything kind of dispersed out. Okay, uh, you get to the Huckleberry Ridge eruption um, in Idaho. So the, this is part of the Yellowstone hotspot, again, the, the Yellowstone volcanic zone. Uh, the Huckleberry Ridge tuff consisted of three distinct eru eruptions that were separated by years to decades. Um, this one was the one that we talked about earlier, which was 2,100,000 years ago. And this one had an ejecta volume of... 2,450 uh, to 2,500 cubic kilometers. Again, this is half of the first two that I talked about, but yes, this is a lot. Uh, the Manga Kino uh, caldera, this is part of the North Island in uh, New Zealand. Uh, it's part of the Taupo, um, Taupo, Taupo volcanic zone. Uh, it was known as the kidnapper's eruption. And this was 1,080,000 years ago, and it had an ejecta volume of 1,200 uh, cubic kilometers. This here I pointed out, as you can see, that little arrow is pointing to the Magakino uh, caldera. You can see it there. It's, it's kind of like a little spot there right next to the arrow. And... Moving on, now we get to the Bishop Tuff. Um, this is in California. It's part of the Long Valley Caldera. A single eruption completed within six days. Uh, the volume and dense rock equivalent. 
so this one was se- uh, 700,000 60- or 760,000 years ago. This one had an ejecta volume of 600 cubic kilometers. So again, that kind of seems small compared to the ones, some of the uh, big boys we were just talking about. And here is a picture of that. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And here you have an overhead shot with a little diagram there, so you can see the caldera boundaries. Um, and then you see the resurgent dome there in the middle. Again, the resurgent dome is the the point where it starts to. Um, that's what's growing when before the volcanic volcano erupts. So we, when I showed you Lake Toba, that resurgent dome after Lake Toba erupted, there was probably no resurgent dome, and it just looked like a bare lake. And then right. the resurgent dome comes up and it turns into Samosir Island. So that's kind of what's going on there, on, but on land. Look at that. That's a beautiful, nice, crisp shot. Breathtaking. Yeah. I mean, these volcanoes are responsible for, for madness, but they're also responsible for some unbelievable scenery. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mountains, lakes, rivers, all that stuff. I mean, they might even be responsible for creating us, too, in the sense that uh, one of the theories, I think, for um, abiogenesis is that underwater are those hydrothermal vents that you have you ever seen those like underwater. Yeah, absolutely. They think that some sort of, you know, organisms or uh, organic compounds formed with something going on there, some process that formed the earliest uh, organisms. Well, they just found a ton more species of stuff down uh, down in the ocean coming out of something like that. Really? Did you see that article? Oh, was it the cave that they found with all like the albino, um, like insects and reptiles and stuff? I saw. No, some... these these were single cell. No, yeah, I didn't see it, but I saw there was one where there was like a secluded cave system or something where this not this thing didn't have access to the outside world for like millions of years and all the insects and animals were all albino that lived down there weird yeah um so here you have the long valley caldera you can see there which we've been talking about here uh bottom left circled uh the bishop um the ash there in the top right corner you can kind of see and how it dispersed out um, so yeah, and then you have obviously the fault in that area. Okay. Here's another picture. I want to say, I want, I think Randall Carlson pulled up a couple pictures of volcanic activity and when we had him on too, I don't know if this was one of the pictures or similar. I'd have to go back and look. Okay, so the Lava Creek eruption, which was in Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming, uh, was part of the Yellowstone Hotspot Volcanic Zone, and the Lava Creek Tuff consisted of two distinct eruptions separated by years. Uh, This is the one, the Yellowstone one that we were talking about that was 640,000 years ago, and this one had an ejecta volume of 1,000 cubic kilometers. There you go. There's a picture of the side of it there. Okay. Now we're getting to the Taupo Nui Atia. 
Um, that's part of the North Island of New Zealand and part of the Taupo, um, Taupo, I don't know how you pronounce that, but volcanic zone, uh, Waka Maru, uh, Ignimbrite, Mount Curl Tefra. Okay. Jesus. That's a real mouthful. Yeah. Well, yeah, you should have had me say that. That's a real comedy. <laughs> um, and that one was 340,000 years ago, and that had an ejecta volume of 2,000 cubic kilometers. Here you can see I circled that little area there, and then we have the, uh, the arrow pointing to... Um, the uh, area where the super eruption occurred. Let me go back one, actually. So, yeah, that was the, the whole zone in that area, and then I'm pointing specifically to where the caldera was at. Okay, so this is one we already talked about, but the youngest uh, Toba eruption... So that's in Sumatra and in Indonesia, Lake Toba, North Sumatra, volcanic zone. Uh, it produced um, uh, tons, 2,200 to 4,400 tons of H2SO4. Um, seven, yeah, this is the one, yeah, 74,000 years ago. So this is the one that wiped out pretty much all humans except for three to 10,000 breeding humans. Um, and this one had an ejecta volume of 2,800 cubic kilometers. So again, very large. But the first two that we discussed had, I think, 5,000. There's Lake yeah, Toba again. Yeah, it's putting it in the perspective there. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, um, Orua Nui eruption, North Island, New Zealand, Taupo Volcanic Zone, Taupo volcanic, uh, Volcano. So this one was 26,500 years ago with an ejecta volume of 11,070 cubic kilometers. There's a picture of Lake Taupo. Here's another overhead sh uh, view of just that whole area. New Zealand is the bomb. We know that from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, New Zealand. Um, actually, if I had to say one other spot was similar to Yellowstone out of all these, it's the New Zealand one, it seems to be. Or maybe Sumatra, like where Lake Toba is. Those three areas are pretty active with all this, yeah. uh, these crazy eruptions. And obviously that Lake Taupo one has produ produced more than a few. Um Again, here's everything that's going on in South America along its uh, west coast. And then these are just some smaller volcanoes that you will find um, in uh, Colombia. And uh, I think I've got one with Ecuador there for my man Maurice. Yes, yes. So when you visit, you can go, we can send you to one of these volcanoes. Well, the, the one, what the hell is the name of it? No, maybe it's not a volcano. It's a massive mountain. Yeah. And then that's how it could end up. Hey. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much uh, the presentation. I mean, we might do a part three at some point. I don't see a point. Uh 
currently. There's nothing big that's really happened. I just wanted to go through some of the other actual super volcanoes other than the Yellowstone and the Lake Toba one. Um, and I thought it was good to go over. Like I said, I keep seeing these reaction videos and these... Um, so quiet down, folks. People Just trying relax. to scare people or people <laughs> yeah. that are freaked out. Well, that's that are... what it's all about, man, is getting the scares, getting the views. Yeah, and we're not trying to do that. I just want to put credi- credible information out there. Obviously, a lot of the stuff is taken from the USGS and Wikipedia and all that stuff, so it's all legit. Um, And if anybody has, you know, for an idea for like a part three or something we didn't get to or talk about, I'm more than willing to take a look at that as well, but... I just wanted to do part two because we said we were going to do it. And then I'm also now we're going to, for the slideshow episodes that we do, I'm going to focus, we're going to go back to ancient Greece and focus on, we we haven't gotten yet to the Eleusinian mysteries. And um, I want to do some Greek mythology. Um, yeah. I mean, so far I think with ancient Greece, we've covered the pre-Socratic philosophers. We covered Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, and we covered the sophists and we did an episode i think part four was on the megalithic structures of ancient greece so yeah i want to get back to uh ancient greece and then work off that i don't know what we're going to do after ancient greece i've been contemplating should we do egypt should we do um you know the sumerians should we do mesopotamian general I don't know. We'll kind of look at that from after we finish Greece, but I want to finish this and then go back to ancient Greece and then we'll work our way through everything again. So beautiful, my man. All right. Well, don't forget everybody tomorrow. We will be live at 1130 AM Eastern time with psychedelic scientist, Matthew Johnson. That's going to be a great show. Yeah. I'm pumped up. Yeah. I'm, uh, I got a bunch of questions ready to to roll. He's also uh, an expert in cognitive behavior and like different, uh, um, you know, the, obviously the way we process things in the brain and having OCD. uh, I think I, I think we can have a really interesting conversation. So. Yeah. We'll learn some, uh, definitely some juicy tidbits there tomorrow and, uh, we'll go from there. Yep. So head on over to patreon.com slash podcast. Again, we're on Discord. Come chat on there if you want to see when upcoming episodes are or who's who are the guests are going to be. Um, we also have Avi Loeb, uh, who's a scientist, coming on who you might know as articles surrounding the Muamua um, uh, object that came through our uh, solar system uh, last year. Uh, we'll be talking about that extraterrestrial life and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, gotta, that's that's going to be a real good one. I'm yeah. watching them talk about that thing on Joe Rogan a little bit. Actually, it's a very interesting uh, subject. Yeah, he was recently on Rogan. He was also on Lex Friedman's podcast, and Matthew Johnson was somewhat recently on Lex Friedman's podcast. So, um, I actually I like what Lex Friedman's doing with the podcast, the scientists, the cognitive stuff. It's all. It's either an AI scientist or um, philosophers. You know, he's got he's had some UFO people. He had David Fravor on. I, I like what's going on there. So, um, absolutely. But yeah, so go to Patreon and for two dollars a month, you'll get some exclusive content. We'll probably do a segment with Matthew Johnson, and I I think we'll probably do one with uh, Avi Loeb too. So if you're interested in those, two dollars a month will get you in the door, and then we're gonna. St- 
work on doing another secret episode. So if you don't know what a secret episode is, we're going to be doing some different stuff. The first one was kind of interesting. Um, and the second one, I've got some ideas and eventually, uh, like I said, we'll work our way. We want to do some experiments or some outside the box type stuff. So we're working towards that. And, uh, yeah, head on over to Indra's web at indrasweb.org. It is live. Come chat on there. Again, if you want to be an admin on there or, um, have some sort of role helping out, just let me know, send me an email. Um, I'm going to start really, uh, advertising it. So there will probably be a bunch of, uh, people on there. If you're on there now, it's kind of like a nice, quiet, small community, but it will be bigger soon. So, um, and, uh, that's it. All right, my man, I will see you tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow morning. Well, we love everybody. Stay safe out there and uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace.